Good morning. I wish you all a meaningful fast. Today is Asara Tevet, the 10th day of Tevet. As we mentioned, this holiday has a certain gravitas, a certain uh, strictness, if you will, that we apply to it with regards to the fact that uh, it can fall out on a Friday and still the fast is not nidcheh, it doesn't get pushed off. And the question that should be bothering all of us is why? In fact, our rabbis teach us that the reason why we fast on the day of Asar Tevet is an amalgam of three days rolled into one. The rabbis did not want to have fast days on each day of the week. And unfortunately, we know from the Jewish people's history that if you fasted every time something terrible happened to the Jews, we would never eat. It would be one long litany of fast days. So what they did was they combined various days into fast days, into specific dates in the calendar, to be able to have a few things kind of commemorated with one. And the three things that are commemorated by the fast of, uh, of Asara Tevet is something that happens on the 8th of Tevet, on the 9th of Tevet, and on the 10th of Tevet. On the 10th of Tevet itself, we understand <coughs> that the, um, the Nebuchadnezzar, which was the first person to come against the Jewish people after they had lived in the land of Israel, he surrounded, he laid siege to Jerusalem, and uh, that was unfortunately the beginning of the end, when he eventually conquered Jerusalem, burned down the first Bet HaMikdash, and exiled the Jewish people into Babel. Seventy years later, they would go through uh, the Babel of the Galut of Babel, the uh, uh, exile in Babylonia, in Persia, and eventually the story of Purim would mark the end of that time, with the Jewish people arriving back into the land of Israel, building a second temple, only to have that be destroyed and have us be driven into exile that we are into on this very day. So the first time the Jewish people are driven out of their home in the land of Israel, although we are then sent on a wild goose chase throughout every single country on the face of this planet, but the beginning of that uh, dr- being driven into exile happens through the hands of Nebuchadnezzar, and we, we commemorate and we mark the day that they laid siege initially uh, on the 10th of Tevet. On the 9th, of Tevet and on the 8th of Tevet with two different um, tragedies respectively. One tragedy on the 9th of Tevet was the, uh, the day where the, uh, the, the, the Greek king at the time, uh, uh, he forced the 70 scholars into private rooms and he forced them to write down the Greek translation of the Torah. And the reason why that was such a, mo- a monumental occasion was because what he was trying to do was degrade the Torah and kind of show the supremacy of Greek philosophy as a way of life, especially at a time where many Jews were buying into the Hellenistic ideals of, the, of their Greek overlords. That was a very, very dangerous thing. And what he was trying to do with these 70 sages was to show that, look, when they would translate it, they would all translate it differently. And that would kind of indicate that the Torah itself was, uh, was not something which was unified and wasn't something which was true. The Talmud records that there was a miracle that occurred, that each one of the 70 uh, scribes, when they translated into Greek, translated exactly the same. Now that's not just that they translated the mitzvot the same, or the halachot the same, or the stories the same, but it means that they even used the exact same Greek words to explain what they were saying, which is a tremendous miracle. But although it was a miracle, it was still seen as a day that was tragic, first of all, because of the way in which it was forced, the miracle was forced to take place to save them, but at the same time, uh, it also allowed for a Greek translation to enter into the arena, which gave a legitimacy in Jewish eyes to Greek culture and philosophy, and kind of aided and abetted this slow erosion of the Jews into Greek, into the Greek culture, which eventually kind of brought us to the uh, story of Hanukkah. Rabotai, 
The last and final is the death on the 8th of uh, Tevet is the death of Ezra Sofer. Ezra Sofer was someone that saved the Jewish people. There, there was a tremendous intermarriage happening at the time, assimilation where the Jewish people were kind of walking away from their heritage. It was after the story of Purim. He fixes the Jewish people. He reinstitutes the yeshivot. He teaches people and strengthens them to the point where they're capable of building the second Beit HaMikdash. So much so the Gemara says that if we had not had the Torah from Moshe Rabbeinu, Ezra HaSofer would have been able to bring it down and to teach the Jewish people the Torah. So unbelievable what he does in strengthening and bringing the Jewish people back to Teshuvah. On Rosh Hashanah, we read in Ezra and Nehemiah, we talk about how he's sitting and praying, sitting in sackcloth and ashes, doing Teshuvah. And his great cries and his sincerity moved the Jewish people, the entire Jewish people, to Teshuvah. Do you know what that must have taken? You know what a person he must have been? So these three stories... Uh, indicate to us what it is that we're supposed to be fasting about on this day. But I think it behooves us to kind of understand the underlying message. And I think both with regards to the story of Ezra Sofer and with regards to the story of Nebuchadnezzar, what we are mourning today is the mourning of potential. You know, Tishab Av commemorates when you actually had the temple burnt. What is this uh, idea of Ezra Sofer, of the, of, sorry, of the uh, surrounding of the city? Nothing happened yet when you started the siege. But the point is that Judaism is always seeking not the outcome of an action, but the root of where it comes from. The Talmud tells us that when a person steals uh, and they are sold into slavery, they have no money to pay back, so they're sold into slavery, if you will, to work off the debt of the, of the thing that they, that they uh, stole. And the Talmud says that what happens when the guy, uh, his ear, What's it called? What happens when the guy decides after seven years that he wants to stay? The Talmud tells us that we pierce his ear and we say that the ear that heard at Mount Sinai that you should be a servant of God and not a servant to a servant, let that ear be pierced. That's what the Talmud says. And what's fascinating is the Mifashim, the commentators ask, why is it that we're pointing out that the ear that heard at Mount Sinai, you shouldn't be a slave to anybody else but God, why is it being pierced for that? Right? Why is that the point? <clears throat> Actually, if you take a look, <clears throat> says the Talmud, um, it depends on why it is that a person was sold into slavery. Some people are, are kind of go become a servant in a, in a Jewish servant in a person's home because they've stolen. Some people become a servant in Jewish people's in a Jewish person's home because actually they have no money and they're going there. The Talmud says, and what if he stole? The reason why the reason why we pierce his ear is because he he should have heard at Mount Sinai, you shall not steal. So. In each case, we're piercing the guy's ear. One case, because he should have heard that he's not supposed to be a servant to anyone but God. And in one case, we say we pierce his ear because he should have heard that what? That, that you're not supposed to steal. The commentaries ask the most beautiful question. In either case, you don't pierce his ear when he becomes a servant. You only pierce his ear after six years. He decides, you know what, I want to stay. And at that point, you pierce his ear. So the commentaries, why do we need two different reasons? In both cases, the reason why he's in the situation he's in is because he, did, he didn't hear the idea that you shouldn't be a servant to anyone but God. Because in both cases, that's the problem. He's choosing another bout of slavery. Say the, the commentators, that is true. But to find that as the point of repentance, to find that as the point of what needs to be commemorated is to miss the point. What got him to this situation? 
The first gentleman, he's here because he, doesn't have, he didn't have money, he needed to you know, be here, so that's why. But the second person, the person that stole, the only reason why he's in this situation is because he stole. And you know what? If you don't address the core of the problem, you're never going to get, you're, never gonna, you're going to wind up repeating the situation again and again and again. And that's why the fast of Asarab Tevet, in my opinion, maybe that's why Chazal indicated that it was such a strong fast. Tishab Av is when it's over. Everything is burnt. Shiva Tammuz, they're breaking a hole, they're busting into the walls. But the very first time of Galut, when everything started, when it could have been averted, that was the story of Nebuchadnezzar. How could it have been averted? It could have been averted by Am Yisrael producing more leaders like Ezra Sofer that were capable of bringing the Jewish people back, that were capable of loving each and every Jew, that were capable of thinking about what could be if the Jewish people identified Jewishly on a much larger scale. Today we mourn the loss of potential. And therefore, because if, if a person can focus in on that, hone in on that, then actually they don't wind up with the litany of problems that lead us to the other fast days that we have in our calendar. May God bless us all in each and every one of our specific lives and needs to not, to not find ourselves dealing with the problems with this, or trying to find solutions uh, for the outcomes of many different things, but rather that we solve the root causes so that we don't get to situations where there's too many things to be able to solve that we cannot focus on them all. Baruch Adonai Le'olam, Amen ve'amen. I wish you all an uh, uh, easy and meaningful fest.